Welcome to the Unpacking Sunday podcast, where we take a deeper look at what God is speaking to you, to our church, and to the world around us. So grab a coffee, sit back, and let's unpack it together. All right. Mike, welcome back. It's good to be back. It's good to have you back. I was just saying before this, I'm quite surprised to not be sitting in a hot tub. That's true because you were getting was, quite comfortable. I was just away, yeah. Yeah, and where and you were just enjoying some time, relaxing, taking yes. a beat. I really had two options. Yeah. Pool or hot tub. And which was did you choose more often? Well, it depends if I was hot or cold. Right. Mm, it always depends. Yeah. And you don't want to be like you want to be one of those. I read biblically once. Mm, like mm-hmm. you don't want to be lukewarm. The dichotomy of yeah. hot or be cold. Be hot or cold. But preferably not cold. Depends how you read the passage. <laughs> Depends where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. To the pool or the hot tub. Yeah. That's heaven or hell. Which Shoot. one's which? Okay. <laughs> so, but Sunday was fun. I watched online. Sunday was fun. We had a good time. Um, we launched Christmas around the world on Sunday. We had some baptisms, which was an amazing time uh, to celebrate people, you know, publicly declaring their faith in Jesus um it was yeah and then we we had some fun uh with the word as well we continued in the roman series you did have fun i could tell you were having fun. yeah you could tell yeah yeah i could tell you online i could tell you were having fun right yeah and i think it's pretty fun today today is a special day in the podcast recording studio because Mm -hmm. our very own julia carey is here with us we love it's always a good day when julia carey's here yeah used to be julia giesbreg if people don't know yeah but then now Julia Carey, he liked it and he put a ring on it. That's what people do. That's what they do. Yeah. So, so we have Julia and Luke is also here. Hey, Luke. He, he waved. Yeah. He I'm waved. glad, I'm glad we've gone through the introductions now. That's good. So give us a rundown of, I know we did Christmas around the world. That's mm-hmm. great. It's going well. Yeah. Um, you said what? 14,000 we've raised so far. Yeah. Somewhere around a little over 14,000 that we've raised so far in, in the first week and, um, Christmas around the world. If you, if you don't know, maybe you missed church on Sunday. It is a four week long campaign that we do. And kind of the theme for Christmas around this world is opening doors and closed places. Uh, so it's a theme that we've been praying into that we have seen, really God coming and shining a light in some dark areas. And so there are uh, a few different partners that we're supporting this year uh, connected to that theme. We have Ratanak International, which is an amazing organization uh, who, who helps women and, and girls who have been you know, caught and victimized in sex trafficking in Cambodia. And, and so what they do is they rehabilitate the, the, the girls. They teach them vocational skills. There's trauma-informed therapy. There's a safe place for them to be introduced to Jesus and and yeah, it's a beautiful kind of holistic uh, program. So, so we love what they do. Maybe throughout the next few weeks, we can kind of highlight some different partners on the podcast as well. But for today, we'll we'll just share about the the one that we have there, uh, Ratanak International. So and please, we, let's put a link to their website in the yes, description of the podcast. Right, we will Julia link Carey? the website, and we will also link where you can give for Christmas around the world. It's C A T W C A T W Cat W uh, for that's the short form that only I use apparently. Whenever anybody sees C A T W, I write I write it like that. Oh, you do Cat yeah. W. Okay, yeah. good. I'm not alone. Yeah, I get that quite a bit. I'm glad it's sinking in though. Um, but the goal is 45000 this year, and we're going to split it between these different agencies. So please pray into it and with generosity 
um, think about giving towards that goal. God's yeah. doing some awesome things over there. And then equally, if not more importantly, you spoke about Romans chapter eight. I did. Romans so chapter give us a rundown eight. of what you talked about and then we'll dive into it. We'll okay. unpack it. That sounds good. Well, I hopped into Romans eight verses 12 and 13. Uh, the verses go like this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty powerful language uh, used in, in those two verses there. And it's kind of recapping a few of the themes that we've gone over uh, throughout Romans 8 so far. Yeah, some would say it's not a complicated teaching, but it's a hard <laughs> teaching. <laughs> Some would say that. Yeah, someone did say that, I think, on, on Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's how you described it. Yeah, exactly. It's not. But the implications of this are actually pretty huge. Um, when we take a text like this seriously for what uh, Paul is actually trying to say, and and when we allow that to kind of form, and, um, and we use that uh, as a lens to reflect on our own lives, too, and see, hey, you know, have I been living according to the flesh in this area? Um, have I been allowing space for sin in my heart or or in my friend groups, or in my family, or in my church, uh, uh, ways that I've been either tolerating it myself in, in my own heart, or kind of affirming it in a, in a more outward and a social setting. And, and obviously, a text like this, it, we can kind of use it as a litmus test to see if we're really walking in accordance with the Spirit or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this week, we dug into what the implications of this are uh, when you live in the flesh. And we looked at a teaching uh, from Jesus where he goes into how you know, when he comes uh, in all his glory, he's going to, like a shepherd, he's going to separate the sho- uh, the sheep from the goats. Uh, and we dug into that a lot. It's so funny because I got so many people texting me the sheep emoji after church on Sunday. Of and course, and yeah. then I had one person who just texted me, I love goats too. <laughs> oh, wow. And I laughed very hard. I was like, that's awesome. I got to try that sometime. So I was just, I got a lot of different sheep and goat Reviews. emojis. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I was like, that's great. I'm the sheep and goat guy now, I guess. But hey, take it. I'll take it and I'll run with it. So you didn't hang out on this word when you were preaching, but I wonder if we could just hang out here for a second. Sure. Because there's a word that Paul uses in this passage that I think we really hate nowadays. And Paul says, we have an obligation mm-hmm. and we hate that. Yeah. We hate somebody telling me what I ought to or ought not do. Yeah. And so... Tell me about that. Paul says we have an obligation to what and why do we have this obligation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, we talked a little bit about what this word um, means, and it's similar to kind of the Greek translation of when it was originally written. And the, the word is aphilites, and it means one who owes. So it means you're indebted or you there's a balance against your account, right, is kind of how we would put, uh, think about it in, in, in modern terms. And and so the idea that we owe, um, Paul is talking about how, hey, everybody has an obligation. Whether you have accepted Jesus or not, we all owe something. We all have the same master, whether you recognize that he's your master or not, whether you accept his lordship over your life, um, he's still the master. It doesn't affect whether or not God is God, whether you accept him, right? So Paul is saying before you used to have an obligation to God because you owed him something. You owed him death because of your sin, right? The the wages of sin, the thing that you earned for your sin is death. Um, that was what we owed. That's what we were obliged to give God. But, but in all of his grace and in his love, he gave us uh, a new way. 
he gave us a new set of obligations. And so Paul is digging into what those obligations are here. He says, brothers and sisters, people who call themselves Christians, people who put their faith in Christ, we have an obligation. Then he reminds us it's not to the flesh. No longer are we obliged to the flesh. Um, but it's actually to put to death the misdeeds of the flesh in order to live, right? So we have a new set of standards. We're still obliged to do it on this side of the cross. We still owe the master something, but we actually owe him life. And so the way that we, that we, that we carry this life out, the way that we walk as living sacrifices is we put our faith in Jesus and we put to death um, the ways of the past, the ways of our sin nature, the ways of our flesh. And so, so it's a very, it's, it's interesting because it's the same word, but it's used in a very, very different context. It sounds a little bit rude and bossy to me, to be honest, like that now since I've accepted Christ, he gets to tell me what I can do and can't do. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm telling you. So then what does that, but for real, yeah. what does that look like in my, my real life? Because so you think it's rude or met, bossy? No, but I've just like met people of like, well, now I'm in Christ. So it's all freedom. It's all like, you know, I get, right. you know, there's no, they don't live as if there's an obligation to live worthy of the gift that we've been given. Mm -hmm. So what does that actually look like? Like, I don't want you telling me when I have to be at church or if I have to even go to church or read my Bible or who I can hang out with or what I can do. Yeah. What do you mean? There's an obligation now. I thought the whole point of this Christianity thing was freedom. Mm hmm. Who All, the sun sets free is free indeed. Yeah, true. So it's what what is what is freedom is really the question because we we set up this idea previously through the book of Romans that this freedom that he gives us is really the freedom to choose. Before we were a slave to sin and we didn't have a choice of whether or not we would we could sin. Like we we talked about this a few times on the podcast as well. Um, that you know we could not everything we did. Though we didn't want to do it, we did it. If you know we wanted to do it, we would not do it. Um, in our flesh, in our sin nature, we couldn't not sin. So that's the idea of being a slave to sin. Um, you are obliged to satisfy its every need, its every desire, its every want. Um, you can't choose another path. So this freedom that he talks about is this now we have the freedom uh, to choose a different path. We have a freedom to choose uh, to instead of bending the knee to sin, we have the freedom to accept the power of Christ uh, to, to break the chains of sin in our life. So our freedom absolutely is what is earned for us, but it's not, I, I think it's interesting too, if we look in these passages, often we see these different paragraphs are ended with the words, um, like for example, at the end of, of chapter eight here, verse 39, neither height nor depth, or anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord, right? Lord being the English translation of, of the name of God, which is Yahweh, right? So it's saying Christ, our Lord. They're not emphasizing Christ, our Savior. Yes, he is the Savior. Yes, he is the Messiah. Yes, he did die so that you can have this freedom, but we're calling him by his name, Christ, our Lord, Christ, our Yahweh, Christ, the one who leads us and who uh, now sets the new standard by which we live. And um, in my professional, as a minister, I guess I can say that. <laughs> in my professional opinion, there's really nothing uh, bossy about it. Um, what he's offering us is, is a life of, of really of full of fruit. He's offering us a life where um, every need that we have 
um, can finally be satiated in him. It's no longer a life of just longing for the next thing and doing whatever I can, stepping on whoever I need to in order to get there, only to find that feeling being so fleeting that I need to do it again. Instead, he, he gives us this living water that actually satisfies uh, each of the hungers of, of my heart. And so, I mean, walking with him, I don't really need to sell it to, to, to you. <laughs> I know you agree with me here, but um, it, it's, it's definitely like a, a way more rewarding path in the end. So I, personally, I don't find it to be sort of like a, a kind of controlling or bossy. So but break it down thing. for me. Like if I'm really wrestling with like this Christianity thing seems like a bunch of like rules and, oh, I was even going to say the word like obligations that I have right. to fulfill. Mm-hmm. Right. How do I walk that out? Like, how do I walk in freedom in the midst of having an obligation? Yeah. Well, we can't do it ourselves, first and foremost. Okay, interesting. We've, we've proved that we can't um, time and time again. I, like, I love the example of even when we know when we're living in, in the flesh and we know about God and we know all of the the ways. I just need to shut my eyes. These ha- <laughs> so distracting, these hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even when we walk in the flesh and we know about God, and we know what he wants for our lives. We know, you know, what his law is. We know what the obligations are. Um, and even if we want to be able to do that thing, the Bible teaches that we can't do that thing. No matter how many good works we do, no matter um, how much we strive towards this perfect um, identity, you know, whatever it looks like for you, if it's like the American dream type of thing, um, or you're the perfect dad, the perfect husband, the perfect brother, the perfect son, we can want that and we can strive for it, but we're actually unable to achieve it apart from him. We're unable to do good in the flesh is what Paul teaches us here. So it's not that we don't have the desire um, to, to satisfy the law. It's that we can't. And so what Jesus does is he fulfills the law for you. So yes, you can look at this like it's a, it's, you know, a book of law. Of course you can, but Jesus says, I came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. So he's not throwing out all of the laws. He's actually satisfying them for you because you were unable to. Hmm. So that's what it means to accept Jesus as your Lord. It means that, yeah, you can't. You were powerless to do so. But thank God (laughs) that he's going to come and take up residence in your heart and therefore enable you to do so. So it's hard to explain when you say, like, practically explain what that looks like to somebody who's walking in the flesh. Um, well, you can't do it if you're walking in the flesh. So I can't practically explain what that would okay, look like. Okay, so then explain to me, because Paul talks about life actually at the end of the verse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So what does that look like? How do I, like, how can I be sure that I'm walking in the spirit, I guess? That's what this passage is all about, life in the spirit. What does yeah. life in the spirit really look like? It's a great question. Um, life in the spirit and walking in step with him is... Because well, let's let's go back to this analogy of sheep and goat that we've built upon, and yeah, then go from there. That. You love that. Well, I love it because it's biblical. I can't think big thoughts, but luckily he can. <laughs> so when we look at kind of this idea of what it looks like to be a, a sheep or a goat, um, we see that the life according to the Spirit is analogous with what it means to be a sheep. It means somebody who first and foremost is led, um, second is protected by their shepherd. Um, it, it says uh, in His Word, I think it's in John that he does, the shepherd doesn't lose any of his sheep. Um, once you put your, your faith in Jesus, you can be assured that where, whatever happens, wherever you wander, as long as you are seeking him, he is seeking you. Um, he is, is striving after you. Again, he doesn't force us into this relationship, um, but as you choose it, he will protect you and he will safeguard you in it. 
um, we also talked about this verse in Philippians that this idea of salvation is something that we actually work out each and every day. So this, this mark or this Holy Spirit that takes up residence in us, it'll be visible to those around you. That's the purpose of the church, of the community that we have. Um, and that can be a good thing, and it can also be a, a frustrating thing. Ultimately, it's always a good thing, but it can be a very frustrating thing too because when you have people who, who love you and care about your relationship with God and are trying to sharpen you, um, they can call you out. I mean, that's a part of what it looks like Super to be a body of Christ. Super annoying. Super annoying. But then you're like, yeah, you know what? I needed a good kick in the butt. I needed to be called out in this area, and I needed the prayer specifically that you've covered me in now. So um, pause there for a sure. sec. I want to talk about that. Um, that's super annoying when people like call me out on stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, isn't my relationship with God just about me and God? We hear that all the time, right? Yeah. Like, no, no, no. Like, I don't need to go to church i don't need to do this i don't need to do that it's just about me and jesus that's it mm. but now you're telling me like i need to i would say uh, that couldn't be more wrong <laughs> okay so can you tell us about that yeah absolutely uh i would say there's absolutely nothing in in the bible or in the church that jesus christ set up and is actually the head of where he now says okay you now don't need to be uh within a community of fellow believers it's not about of course your um, salvation is not an issue that is going to be worked out uh, like within a congregation. That's between you and God. You need to put your faith in God. You need to make that decision for yourself. Nobody can make it for you. But just because that decision is made between you and God does not mean that the rest of your life ought take place in a silo. We are called to be engaging, actively engaging in a community called the church. We are called to use the gifts that he's given us to build that body up. We are called to hold each other to account. We're called to be each other's confessors. We are called to cover each other in prayer. We're called to carry each other's burdens. We're called to celebrate with each other and to mourn with each other. And you can't do any of these things that biblically he's called us to do if you, um, you know, you don't need to go to church because you're already saved. You just do your own thing. You, you can't actively walk this out alone. Um, we're never meant to. Even Jesus, I, I very briefly, and this is something that I wish I could have gone into more on Sunday, but just as I was wrapping the service, um, noted that, yes, we're called to call the cross, but like even Jesus, when he was bearing his own cross, um, because he had been tattered and beaten and bruised and was bleeding. And if you've seen like what that looks like to get, you know, the nine of tails whipped on your back, like it shreds you up. They actually had to have, um, is it Simon of Cyrene, I think? Mm. He had to come in and carry the cross for Jesus, right? So even Jesus had his three, his 12, his 72. Um, The one who established this, why would he set this example for us and then call us to do something completely opposite? Why would he live his entire life and and make it, well, first off, make us for relationship, make us for community, and then actually love us and care about us so much that he lays down his um, omnipotence, his all-powerfulness, he empties himself in order to enter into our world to actually walk in that relationship with us, being born of a woman, being raised by parents, forming friendships and bonds and communities, weeping when he sees a friend die. Everything Jesus does, the example he sets, leads us into community. And and so we see that example, and for some reason we think that then we're not supposed to do the same thing. Um, Honestly, I think it's it's kind of an excuse that we use so that people don't call us out because we don't want people to see the sin that we're trying to hide. 
And so com- like Christian community, we would hear, especially in our culture today, can go drastically off the rails. Yeah, and so true. even before yeah. we were recording, we were talking about um, like spiritual abuse or mm-hmm. church hurt. Yeah. Right. And there's people in positions of power who abuse their power. And you're asking me to be in community with a group of, of people who might take advantage of me, yeah. especially if I lay like my vulnerability in front of them. Right. That, hey, I'm just trying my best to walk in the spirit. So can you uh, tell me? Yeah. What does like life giving Christian community? What, what you're saying yeah. is life in the spirit requires that we are in a healthy Christian community yes. to yes. succeed at life in the spirit mm-hmm. requires the work of the spirit mm-hmm. and the accountability of the church. Yeah. And so walk me through like I'm lonely in church, let's say. Mm-hmm. And I think so many people find themselves in that situation. How can I find life giving Christian community that's healthy for me? What, like, give me a few steps. Like I'm new. Yeah. Tell me what can I do? I will. I Can I just share one little thing quick? We'll allow you to do that. I yeah. would say that it's not even about, the, the question isn't might hurt you. The question is, at some point they will hurt you. The church is a family. The church is a family full of people who make mistakes and are imperfect and are striving towards being Jesus. Nobody here, if they're claiming that they're fully sanctified, I'd say you're in the wrong church. <laughs> Nobody here is perfect. And, and so inevitably that means that at some point you are going to get hurt um, by somebody in the church who you choose to be vulnerable with. And yes, absolutely, that's a sad thing. Um, but that is a, a product of being part of a family. I mean, I know my family has hurt me and I've hurt my family more times than, than really any other relationship I've had in my life because I actually care what they think and they actually care about me. So because we've agreed to be vulnerable with each other, it opens us up um, for hurt. And, and so I'll just say that first and foremost, expect it some, because some people are so sidelined by it that they're like, whoa, I'm leaving the church forever because this person called me out on something that hurt my feelings. That's, that is a part of what we're called to do. So sometimes we need to grow in maturity in that. I've been guilty of that as well, but expect it at some point to happen. Now to go to, to what you do, if you're lonely and you're in church, um, I think you're so right. Like I, I think of people who have been in church for five, maybe even 10 years. And then, you know, you're talking with somebody and they're like, oh, hey, is it your first week here? And then you're like, oh, no, I've, I've been here for like, I've been here for like five years. Like that is a sad thing. And um, that is not functioning. Just attending church isn't um, uh, the function of what the church is supposed to be in your life. Um, just going to church on a Sunday and not that it's your fault or anything necessarily. I mean, we can take ownership for, for the parts where we refuse to engage. I know there's like, I've in my life also done this where, you know, I go to a church for a first time and I'm just like, we'll be hustling out after the end of the service so that nobody from like, you know, the greeting team can find me and shake my hand or anything. Cause I just want to, you know, get in, hear the word and get out. And in that case, um, I'm doing it to myself. Mm-hmm. I, I'm the one who's refusing to engage with what has been offered to me, which is community, um, which is uh, a piece of, of family who actually care about me. And so that 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 will uh, require that I actually look at, at my heart. What how am I trying to engage with this thing that mm-hmm. Jesus has established called the church? Um, and how can I be doing a better job of that? I know 
a lot of the time, the reason why we don't is, is for the same reason that I just said. We don't want to get hurt. We don't want to get vulnerable. And so we just don't engage. It's easy. It's simple. It's clean. We just, um, we're in, we hear the message and we're in our car before, you know, the worship songs even finished. Um, so that's one aspect of it. I would say the other aspect though is, is the church giving you opportunities to get connected? Is there a place where you can, I mean, it's so hard. You walk into a room with 500 people and you're all of a sudden just expected to, you know, find your best friend and, and be super vulnerable on day one. That's, that's so weird. And that's so not how, how any relationship has ever worked. So we're not expecting that either. Um, but the church should have points where you can um, find what you're seeking. So for us, for example, that looks like life groups. Life groups is one of the biggest ways we're in a non-threatening, non-overwhelming um, you know, format. You can actually get to know people. You can share a little bit about your life and you, know, you build it up, obviously, as you get to know each other more and you establish a rapport and you learn to trust each other. Then you go deeper and that's when you really start to see the mm-hmm. church be what the church is intended to be. It doesn't happen overnight, but you need to find that vein, right? If a church isn't offering an opportunity for you to have community, that's a core function of the church. Um, uh, if they're just doing evangelism, that's great, but that's not a church. If they're just doing discipleship, that's great, but that's not a church. If they're just doing worship, that's great, but that's not a church. You need all three aspects of this in order to be functioning as this body of Christ that, that, that Jesus himself has has established. So look for what that is for you. Maybe, it's, um, maybe you start with an alpha, right? where you don't even maybe know about that much about your face. You want to find other people who are kind of at the same place as you. Hop into an alpha. You'll meet some people there. Uh, the setting like encourages you to, to be open and to share and to build relationship. Same thing with beginnings for our church as well. I know that's not a course that everyone offers, but um, there are opportunities for you to connect and to engage with others. And, and I would absolutely encourage you to do so. Okay, give me like one more step as we're leaving for the person who has been in church for 10 years. They're already part of a life group. They don't need to go to Alpha. What can I do today? Like when I stop listening to this podcast, what is one thing I could do today to be a part of a healthy, vulnerable, real Christian community? What could I do? Yeah, I would say you should pick up your phone. You should call somebody who at some point over these 10 years you've connected with and you should ask them to just go for coffee. But nobody ever calls me. Nobody ever calls you. Well, that that's what everybody says. Nobody calls me in church. It's true. But maybe that's the root of the problem, right? Everybody thinks, well, nobody calls me. Right. But what if instead of all of us wallowing and saying, well, poor me. Yeah. What if we all instead took the initiative? Imagine what the church would look like in that Interesting. case. Okay. So one practical thing, call somebody, go sit with them for 30 minutes, go learn a little bit about them, see what you can pray into. This church doesn't need to just take place within the structured, formatted programs of the church. It happens within these, these beautiful moments at a coffee shop. It happens as you meet and you walk the dogs together and you find yourselves praying for one another's struggles. Like that is the function of, of the community of church. So um, don't limit it. It's not always going to look the same. It can. It doesn't need to happen within the four walls of, of the actual physical church. Um, but take the step. Take the initiative. We mm-hmm. don't need to make excuses. And maybe just in case people are super lonely, we should just in the link put Luke's cell phone number so yes. everybody can call Luke. <laughs> Luke is a great conversation. No, I'm kidding. We're not going to do that. <laughs> don't bother looking in the description. We're not doing that. 
But he would like to chat with you on chat. Sunday, so yeah, come give him a chat. hug. Okay. This has been a great episode. Great sermon on Sunday, Josh. Oh, thanks, man. Thank I you appreciate so much. that. Okay, we'll see you guys next week.